0: Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. How well are you using the gifts and talents that Jesus has given you for the advancement of his kingdom? Do you use your time, talents, and money for eternal treasures, or just for the pleasures and comforts of this world? Let's open now to Luke chapter 12 and look at this sobering parable of the rich fool. Good afternoon, and welcome to another teaching. Today we're going to be discussing a, uh, it's a very, very difficult uh, part of Scripture. It's called the Parable of the Rich Fool. It's found in Luke 12, verses 13 to 21. We have a new guy that's been coming to our Kingdom Discipleship Morning Bible Study. His name is Caleb. And I had asked a few weeks ago um, all the guys to to give some ideas, what, uh, what they would like to study in the coming weeks. And Caleb had brought up this section of scripture and I don't know how we got to it, but, um, it, it's pretty heavy, you know, it's, uh, they're, they're very, very serious verses and they really, they really have meaningful, uh, application in truth to, to every one of us as Christians and non-Christians alike. Obviously, if we're non-Christians, we need to become Christians, right? Jesus Christ is the only solution to life. Jesus Christ is the only solution to death. Jesus Christ is the only hope we have in this life and the next life. And the the Bible makes that clear. Uh, The Bible makes clear that all human beings are sinful and that our sins need to be forgiven and that we have a debt that needs to be paid. And that's why Jesus went to the cross and died a perfect death, even though he was sinless, even though he had done nothing wrong, even though he lived a perfect sinless life, he gave that life voluntarily on the cross for you and for me. Uh, And he did that because we needed it. We needed it completely. Humanity is stuck. Every man and every woman is completely and totally stuck. We are sinful. We need a savior and we cannot save ourselves. There's nothing we can do to save ourselves. None of the good we do will help save us. We need Jesus Christ. And again, that's why he lived a perfect life for you and for me. That's why he died a perfect death for you and for me. And he is indeed alive and risen. And so when I say this is written for Christians, what an individual needs, if they're not a Christian, is to become a Christian. They need to receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. They simply need to believe the Word of God that says that Jesus came. Uh, the Bible says Jesus lived a perfect life for you. He died a perfect death for you and that he's alive and risen. And the Bible promises uh, in Romans 10:13 that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So today, if you don't know Jesus, just right now, uh call out on him call to him and say lord jesus i believe that you are the son of god i believe that you lived a perfect life for me i believe that you died a perfect death for me and i believe that you are alive and risen and therefore lord jesus i ask you to come into my heart i ask you jesus to be the lord of my life I ask you Jesus to save me from my sin and to bring me to heaven. When I die, Jesus, I place all my faith and hope and confidence in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. That's how you become a Christian. You believe in Jesus and then you call on him and ask him to be the Lord of your life and come into your heart. And the Bible is written for Christians. We can't really understand the Bible in any way until we have Jesus living in us, until the spirit of Jesus or the Holy Spirit comes to live in us. And then we can start to make sense of the scriptures and we can experience the conviction of the scriptures. We can experience the joy of the scriptures, but none of that can happen until we truly know Jesus as our only Lord and savior in his spirit. The Holy Spirit is living inside of us. So with that backdrop, we're going to go ahead and read, um, Luke 12, verses 13 to 21, and then we will get right into it. And as I said, this is written for believers. This is written for us as Christians, and uh, this is a very, very sobering piece of Scripture, very sobering uh, eight verses. And so, Father, we do thank you for this time. We thank you for your mercy and goodness on our lives. We thank you for your favor and grace. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open the Word of God. We ask you to give us eyes that see and ears that hear. And Holy Spirit, we do ask you to convict us by your word. And Lord, help us to to repent where we see that uh, our lives are out of place based on what your word is teaching us today. Father, we love you and we bless you. We thank you for your mercy on our lives. And above all, we thank you for Jesus Christ, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King and God. Father, in Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Verse 13, someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed." A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. Lord Jesus, have mercy on us as we go through this uh, this parable, Lord, and and I just ask you to help us, Lord, to to heed your word in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Very, very, very sobering parable given to us by Jesus. Uh, These are the words of Jesus. Again, we're in Luke 12, verses 13 to 21, uh, for those who follow along in the scriptures. Verse 13, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Historians have said that it was traditional in that time that when it was time to divide the inheritance, the oldest son would get a double portion of the inheritance and uh, the younger son would get a single portion. And historians have postulated that what was happening here is that the younger brother was was wanting an equal share. Even though the law in those times, or the tradition in those times was that the older son would get a double portion. And so he was he was asking for more than he was supposed to get. As the younger son, you know, he would get a lesser share of the inheritance. but you know he was wanting a greater share. So he was desiring more money, even though that was not, uh, the tradition of the time. And that would be similar to the fact that if, um, you know, if somebody was, was going through, you know, a parent's will or a grandparent's will or anyone's will, and they had decided how they wanted the money to be distributed and you or I come out on the, the lesser end of that. And we're not happy with it. Now, most of us can recognize that. Imagine when it comes time to be uh, dividing a will. We all have inside of us this idea that we want what's coming to us. You know, it's uh, it's just this natural desire, right? We want what's ours, so to speak. We want our share of the inheritance. We, we want our money. And it's against this thought. It's against this... Uh, this natural disposition that that most of us have that Jesus is trying to warn us against here um, where we really have this uh this desire to get ours or to to get what money is coming to us right and um and it's it's a stern warning wow verse 14 Jesus replied man who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you it's an interesting response because the man comes to Jesus and he wants Jesus to solve his problem, and certainly we can go to Jesus for for everything, right? We can make our petitions before Jesus, but you know we don't go to Jesus for civil matters. We don't go to Jesus to say, you know, Lord, I was I was uh, speeding, doing seventy-five in a forty-mile-an-hour zone. And I was given a ticket because I broke the law. Um, Jesus is going to say, "Who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you?" The Lord has given us government, and you know we have we have laws and rules that are in place, and and Jesus expects us to follow them. Uh, the only time that we would not obey the the government is if it's contrary to the word of God. But the Bible makes it clear that we are to obey the laws of the land, and so. Jesus isn't going to be involved in, you know, in such things. But look what he says in verse 15. Then he said to them, watch out, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Now we need to stop and just think about that statement, y'all. Be on your guard. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. In the Western world today, we absolutely, without question, have an abundance of possessions. And really, everyone listening to this, their life very easily could be characterized by having an abundance or an incredible abundance of possessions. And Jesus says we have to watch out. Uh, Never has there been a church in history ever like ours is today in the Western world where this applies more than it does to us right now. This is this is a sobering, just clear warning for us because we are without a doubt the wealthiest church that there's ever been since Jesus Christ was resurrected from the dead 2,000 years ago. We are a church in the Western world that has more money, more possessions, more comforts by and far than at any time of history. And Jesus is warning us that we need to be on our guard against this. And to help guard us, you know, he gives us this parable. And again, it's a very sobering uh, parable. It's a scary parable. And again, it's one we want to really take to heart, we want to examine our life, and we want to really make uh, immediate improvements in our life. What does that mean? A man's life does not consist, a woman's life does not consist in the abundance of her possessions. What does your life consist of? What Jesus is saying is that life is not about the material world life is not about the natural world life is not about what you have and how much you can accumulate for the here and now this life is a very short life in comparison to eternity eternity has no end no beginning no end right and so whatever we live on this earth 70 80 90 100 years is just a blink in comparison to eternity. So this life does not consist in trying to build a better here and now. We're going to see in the parable that the man is just concerned with building up more wealth so he can have a more comfortable retirement. And and pretty much anyone listening to this can recognize that desire in themselves, right? And so that's why I'm saying this is something that's, uh, this is a hard teaching But again, it's one we did in Bible study. So as I was just uh, being led of the Lord, it's just was a natural natural teaching for me to do as a podcast. And it is in our Bible. And again, never has this teaching had greater application than it does today to us as Christians uh, in the Western church. So Lord Jesus, um, again, I do ask you to help us, Lord. I ask you to uh, just open our eyes that we might truly, Lord, understand that our life, as men and women, does not consist in the abundance of our possessions, Lord. Um, and Father, I do ask you to help us and give us eyes to see where we can make the corrections in our life um, where we have all fallen into this. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Um, your life and my life consists in Christ, in Jesus. You know, the scripture says in Psalm 24, verse 1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. So really, we don't own anything, right? And frankly, you can't own anything because all of us are going to die at one point or another, right? And when we die, we can't take it with us, as you've heard. So truthfully, everything you have is on loan from the Lord, right? That's just the fact of the matter. That's the truth of the matter. Everything you have, everything I have is on loan. It doesn't belong to us because we can't take it from this life. So it may be on loan for, like I said, 70, 80, 90, 100 years. We don't know. Could be 50 years, could be 40 years, could be 30 years. As we see in this parable, when we get down into it in verse 20, but God said to him, you fool, this very night, your life will be demanded from you. And that could be said to every one of us. None of us know when we'll be taken from this life. None of us know when our last day on earth is. And that's that's a, that's important for us to keep in mind. Again, we are, we're, we are in this world temporarily. Eternal life will be forever. A man's life, a woman's life, does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Verse 16. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. See, it said the ground produced a good crop. He could not do that without the blessing of God, right? So, almost all of us listening to this today, your ground is producing a pretty good crop. And you could be this rich man and this rich woman, okay? So, has your ground produced a good crop, that hasn't been by your amazing talents or by mine. Um, Everything that we have has been given to us by God. Your gifts, your talents, your strengths, your abilities, whatever it is that you've been given so that you can produce a good crop has been given to you by God and belongs to God. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. Again, everyone listening to this today at varying levels has, has a pretty good crop, right? Some people have an exceptionally good crop. Okay, so you're a rich man and your ground has produced a good crop by the blessing of God Almighty. Okay, and that's, that's where we want to start. You want to look at wherever you are, whatever your position is. And again, for most people, they're, they're in a pretty comfortable position. Right? We have homes, we have retirement accounts, we have wonderful cars, we have, we have possessions beyond our understanding. Right, We have so much, we're, we're, we're spoiled. We certainly are this rich man, and our ground has produced a good crop. But now we get into the meat of it. There's nothing wrong with a good crop. It's what you do with the crop. It's how you think about the crop that the Lord has given you. Verse 17. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. When you look at what this man says to himself, right? You can just see the issue in his heart and perhaps the issue in in our hearts, right? What am I going to do? I have so much that I don't even have room to store it, right? It's as if he has a problem. And and for many of us, right, we have we have been so blessed that we almost talk about the blessing like it's a problem. What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. That's quite a question, right? What am I gonna do? I've got so much, I've got a I've just got so much blessing in my life. I have so much possessions in my life. What what am I gonna do? And look at what he says in verse 18. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and all my goods. You know, again, Jesus is telling this parable and it's a parable for us to look at and to say, you know, man, how much of this disposition do we have in our hearts And it's important that we know that that all of us have some of this. At varying degrees, as believers in Jesus Christ, we do struggle with this, right? This is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. Verse 19, and I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years, Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. That was verse 19. Verse 19 ends with him saying to himself, And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Which one of us cannot recognize this desire? Take life easy, eat, drink, and and be merry. Father, I, uh, I ask you to, I just confess, Father, that, um, you know, that, that, I, that I have some of this in me, Father, that I do like it when life is easy, and I do, I do like to eat, drink, and be merry, Lord. I, Father, I just ask you to, to help us, Lord, um, to really have an understanding of what you're trying to tell us here, Lord, um, and to have a heart that really is not like uh what we're seeing here in, in these scriptures help us lord jesus help us holy spirit um thank you father thank you lord um what should have what should his heart have been okay when you're when the lord has blessed your ground and your ground your work your finances Your possessions, when the Lord has blessed them, what ought your heart to be? Your heart ought not to be to build bigger barns, to have more bank accounts, so you can have more money, right? Your heart ought to be to be rich toward God. This man, instead of thinking about building bigger barns, he should have been thinking about those people whose ground wasn't doing so well. The first thoughts of his mind should not have been about how he could have had more for him. He should have been concerned about those people in his life, in his circle, everywhere around him whose ground wasn't doing very good and This is in the Bible. you know we always say, well, "Why is this in the Bible romans fifteen four says that everything that was written in the past was written to teach us or instruct us. This is this is a big one, right? This this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Most of us can identify a desire in our lives to have more money, right? Most of us, if not all of us, are more comfortable when we have more money, a bigger bank account, more security, a bigger retirement, and pretty much all of us can recognize this desire to take life easy. Verse 18 eat, drink, and be merry. The clear problem with this is that our concern is completely and totally, not only for ourselves or for our own lives, our own wives, our own children, but our concern is completely and totally about this life. This man was completely, increasingly storing up more and more and more for this life, so he would have a more comfortable here and now. Our lives and the focus of our lives needs to be eternity. And this isn't easy, okay? It certainly isn't easy for me. But the focus of our lives is to be storing up treasure in heaven, right? To being rich toward God, to be consistently looking for ways to build up eternal treasure, right? And that's using everything you have. This man used all his energy to build bigger barns so he could store away more grain for himself, more money for himself, more resources for himself because he had this idea that he wanted to say, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. He wanted to put himself in this position that if we're all candid and frank and honest with ourselves, that we can recognize, Matthew, and that is that it's kind of nice to have more money in the bank. It's kind of nice to to have this feeling of ease, right? But the problem with that is when you do this, when we do it, when I do it, we're perpetuating this, this idea that having more in the here and now is what's important. When really it means very, very little. Okay? Whatever you have, you have by the grace of God. Okay? We do need to be good stewards of the resources that we've been given. There's nothing wrong with having a retirement, there's nothing wrong with saving for your children's education. The point is that for the vast majority of Christians, again, if they were to do a self examination, they are consumed with this. We are. Our minds are consistently on this. And, you know, it's relatable at some rate. Like we have bills. We have, you know, we have expenses. We have, we have a future to prepare for. This man is completely engrossed in having a better here and now. His life is totally and completely about storing up treasure in this life, having comfort in this life, having security in this life, retiring early in this life. And that's his entire life. And as a Christian today, you want to look at your life and say, you know, how much of my time and energy and money goes into storing up things for this life? And how much of it goes into advancing the kingdom of God, advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ How much of my time do I use for having a better life here and now? And how much of my time do I use in in the advancement of the kingdom of God? Um, Most of the people who hear this are are very, very good at their jobs. They're good at their work, right? They're very talented. And because of that, uh, their ground has produced a good crop. The Lord has given you talents and uh, you've produced a good crop. Okay. But those talents... How much time do you use them? Most people listen to this, 99% of the time they're using their talents in their work to produce, again, a living for themselves, which all is understandable. But you need to, to, to begin to increasingly use those talents that the Lord has given you to produce a good crop and, and a good finance for yourselves. You need to be using those talents for the next life. Um, storing up treasures in heaven. Really working to advance the kingdom of God some of you may say well i don't know what to do well you know you can uh you can go to the website kingdomd.org there's a lot of ways to get a hold of us you can go to your pastors at church and say hey i just want to i want to start bearing more fruit for the next life because i don't want to be like this guy right here so we said your time your talents and finally your money right time talents and treasure your money most of us listening here i mean what percentage of our money do we use do we save for ourselves or our families or our future? And what percentage do we use for the advancement of the kingdom of God? The average Christian uses 2 uh, to 3% of their income they give. And yet they'll save 20% for themselves, right? This is sobering, right? Uh, just in studying this, I was, I was scared. Because I want, to, uh, I, I want to be found faithful. And this is why I was scared. Verse 20. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Think about that. Uh, The book of Ecclesiastes says there's a time to live and a time to die. The book of Hebrews says it's appointed unto man to die and then face judgment. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life will be Demanded from you. And this is going to be said to every one of us. Every one of us. Will come to this point. One day it will be said to us. That our life will be demanded of us. And that is a, a sobering. And scary thought. But God said to him. You fool this very night. There will be a day when God will demand our life from us there will be a day when no longer you and I are in control of what our ground produces a day is coming for every one of us that whatever crop your ground is producing whatever work you do whatever finances you have whatever time you have whatever talent you have it is all going to be taken our life will be demanded of us, and no more will we be able to use our time, talents, and treasures in the advancement of the kingdom of God, Stephen. That day is coming for all of us. And so this is, again, it's, it's a sobering message. Frankly, I don't like it. Um, you know, what I mean is that it's just, it's hard, man, but... uh It's what we discussed in Bible study, and and here we are. But God said to him, you fool, this very night, this very night your life will be demanded from you. And look at this, then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Solomon, when he wrote, said he was so grieved because he realized that he had all the riches in the world and yet he was going to die. And then he had no idea whether how all he had used, all he had accumulated would be used. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? When all we do is store up for this life, this life could be taken from us at any moment, and we don't know how it'll be used. We hope our children or whoever gets our money will use it well, but we don't know. You have no idea how the resources you leave behind will be used. So start today using them, your time, talents, and resources in ways that you know are pleasing to Jesus, in ways that you know will advance the kingdom of God, in ways that you know will advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because once we're gone, we don't know anything we leave behind, we have no idea how it's gonna be used. No idea at all. Then verse 21. This is how it will be with anyone, who stores up things for himself but is not rich toward God. And that's how Jesus ends the teaching. This is how it will be. We don't want the Lord to say to us, you fool. Now one of us listening to this ever wants to hear the Lord say, you fool. We don't want to be foolish in how we have used the ground and the crop that the Lord has given us. This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich toward God. It's not, having things is not wrong. Having a home is not wrong. Having, you know, having a a nice piece of jewelry is not wrong. Having a television is not wrong. But, How much do we store up for ourselves? Jesus says, this is how it will be for anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. Are you rich toward God? I would say that every one of us listening to this could, could stand to be a little bit more rich toward God. What does that mean? What does the Bible say when it comes to being rich toward God? It's one thing to be rich toward yourself to continue to store up things for yourself, to buy yourself nice things, your family nice things, to buy nice houses, to do things for you and your family, right? But are you rich toward God? What does the scriptures teach? The scriptures teach a principle called tithing. There are people in in, in the world that just find this incredible. I remember when this was shown to me 25 years ago and I thought it was crazy, 10%, oh my goodness. The Bible says that, that God owns everything. Everything you have is his, but, but he expects you to give a minimum of 10% to the advancement of his kingdom, right? He expects you to give 10% to the work of the gospel. He, gives, he expects you to give 10% to where disciples of Jesus Christ are being made so obviously that can be given to churches it can be given to ministries it can be given to different charities right but you want to you want to give to a place that's magnifying Jesus Christ right and 10% is a, is a, is a good place to start but for the vast majority of us not only do you want to be giving your you know your tithe and and wherever you're giving it, right? Again, you want to give it, you can give it where you go to church, where you're being fed, where disciples are being made, just where you know the work of the gospel is being done. But you also want to be mindful. To be rich toward God is to be generous, to consistently look to be generous, particularly to those more needy than yourself. To look for ways to be a blessing And again, always in the name of Jesus Christ, right? That Jesus is convicting you, where you're you're listening to this now and you just think, man, I wanna go be a blessing to this family over here, or I wanna bless this family over here because you know I wanna do what Jesus has told me to do. I wanna be rich toward God. So first of all, you wanna be rich toward God with your money, okay? You wanna examine your life and you wanna see, again, just the candid proportions or the percentages that you use toward yourself, toward your own savings accounts, um, toward your own retirements, and, and how much you're building up your treasure in heaven. If the percentage of what you're doing to store up for this life is substantially ahead of what you're doing to store up for the next life, then you know you're out of balance and you know there's a place of repentance. You go to Jesus and say, Lord, you know I'm, I'm sorry, that's me, Lord. And uh, and I do ask you to help me, Lord. I want to begin to be more rich toward you today. Jesus could take us out of this life at any moment. Any day could be our last day. And you don't have a chance to do this anymore. So again, wherever you are in the world, there are places where you can be a blessing. In our ministry of Kingdom Discipleship, we're consistently giving to, to needy people in different parts of the world. Um, we're blessed to have men on the ground and women on the ground that, uh, that know how to, how to distribute it. But we, we wanna be rich toward God. All of us here have stored up things for ourselves and the Lord has blessed us. And I wanna say again, there's, there's nothing wrong with having these things. But we do want to make sure that we have this, this mindset of being rich toward God with our time, with our talents, and, and with our money. Lord Jesus, we, uh, we thank you for this word, Lord. It is a sobering word. We thank you for it, Lord. I, I pray, Lord, that you would help me. Um, and all those who hear this message, Lord, to, uh, to sincerely evaluate our lives and consistently look for ways, Lord, that we can store up treasure in heaven. Father, I ask you to forgive us when we have this mindset, Lord, where we just want to build bigger barns and bigger houses and have nicer cars for ourselves. Um, and, and we're not concerned about those, um, in your kingdom who, who have very little to nothing, Lord. Forgive us when we have this mindset and help us, Lord Jesus, to, uh, to consistently, Lord, look for ways to be more rich toward you, more rich toward others um, than we are to ourselves. Father, we love you, we bless you, and we thank you for the word of God. We commit it into your hands now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. For more information about our ministry, please visit www.kingdomd.org.